The singing has indeed been absolutely beautiful. Thank you for such an excellent, God has blessed you with a talent, and I hope you will use it all the days of your life. It's been a joy to be here with you this, this day, and I can see the clock, and I've been preaching now for 40 few years, and I know this, that after a Sunday meal, you may want to preach, but hey, the spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. And so if you give me 15 minutes, wherever I am, that's where I'm going to quit. 15 minutes. But there's something on my heart I want to share with you. I've talked about parenting. The family, from a parenting perspective, things we can do to give our children some sense, to help them remain faithful to God. And I've talked about the family. Some ingredients that would go into the family that would keep it strong. And I want to end with talking about marriage. Talking about the family matter. Marriage. And what I want to do with the little time that I have, and I can talk about this topic for hours, but I'm going to do it very quickly, share with you a few thoughts. Satan wants our children. Satan wants our families. But Satan wants our marriages. I'm sure you know someone in your family or in your workplace that's going through a divorce. Either this year or last year. Satan wants our marriages. If you have your copy of God's Word, turn to Revelation again. The chapter is 12. I want you to look at 13 in verse 14. And then I want to share with you a few, four thoughts, and the lesson is yours. Four thoughts, and the lesson is yours. In Revelation chapter 12, Satan has been cast out of heaven. He's angry. He's mad at God. He has a mission. He has an agenda. And he wants to hurt God. And one way to hurt God is to allow his son to die in vain. Jesus died that the church might be established for the saved. He couldn't stop the birth of Jesus. So his agenda now is to destroy what Jesus died for. That's the church. And that's what he tells us in verse 13. He couldn't stop the birth of the man-child. Now he's gone after the woman. And he knows that he can't get people in Savannah to believe in false doctrine. But if he can destroy the marriages of this church here that will eventually lead to the families. It's just a matter of time the church in Savannah will cease to exist. But that's the bad news. But I want to give you the good news. Look at verse 14. In Revelation chapter 12 verse 14 he says to the woman to the woman I've given you two wings two wings at Old Grove, when I started preaching there, we used to sing that song, Two Wings. And I used to wonder where they got that from. Now we're singing at East Jackson. God has given saints two wings. Two wings. That when you're going through things, you're never alone. God can give you two wings to fly to a place of safety. And what I want to do this afternoon is share with you four things that you can do to keep joy in your marriage. 
Perhaps you've got some children out there that are married and they're not here. For you grandparents and parents that have children that are, that are married, perhaps they're going through some difficult times. I challenge you to write these four things down and share it with them. Maybe you have a co-worker. You know somebody who's going through something in their marriage. Here are four things you can do. Because Satan, if he can take the joy out of your marriage, it will destroy your marriage faster than adultery will. The thing that will destroy your marriage where you wake up and you don't care what the Bible says is when you don't have joy in that marriage. You'll say, I don't care. I've been a counselor for 36 years. And I've counseled people where they say, I don't care if I go to hell. I don't want to be with this man anymore. I don't want to be with this man anymore. That's sad. That's when there's no joy in the marriage. And that's what Satan wants to do. He wants to take the joy out of your life and out of your marriage. What are four things we can do to keep the joy in our marriage? The first thing is always be willing to repair the cracks that will occur in the foundation of a marriage. All marriages have disagreements. All marriages have misunderstandings. It goes with the territory. If, you, if you're married and you say you never disagree, you're lying and the truth is not in you. We all have disagreements in marriage. But you don't quit just because you have disagreements. That's normal. You work through those things. You work through. When you have those disagreement cracks occur. But what keeps a, a marriage together is when two people who love one another work hard to repair those cracks that can occur in the marriage. And what is one thing that will help repair the cracks in the marriage? Is stay committed to your marriage. Even though you may have disagreements, stay committed to this marriage. Diane and I, as you said, we celebrated one year yesterday. We may have our disagreement, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. She's not going anywhere. We're committed to this marriage. And when you're committed to your marriage, you have disagreements. You have misunderstandings. You have problems. But you can repair those cracks as long as you stay committed to your marriage. I share with you one of the most beautiful verses in the Bible about commitment. Ruth 1, verse 16 and verse 17. Ruth says, entreat me, you know, talking to her mother-in-law. Entreat me not to leave thee, nor to return from following after thee. For where thy goeth, I will go. Where thy lodges, I will lodge. What a beautiful, what a beautiful statement. When you have an, an attitude like that, that's not a problem you can't resolve. That's not a disagreement you can't make it through. That's not a crack that can occur in your marriage that you're not able to resolve. You're going to have disagreements in your marriage. But those marriages that remain joyful, those marriages that remain energetic and happy are those marriages where spouses are committed to that marriage to work through all of their disagreements. Number two, keep your marriage smelling fresh. Keep your marriage smelling fresh. There are some marriages that stink. What do you mean, Brother Jones? There are some marriages that smell. You can recognize them. When there's one spouse or both that are so selfish, all he thinks about him himself, that's a selfish marriage. He puts her down. He belittles her. He puts him down, him down, belittles him because he won't do. That's a selfish marriage. Marriage is where spouses are selfish. It's all about them. He doesn't make me this. He doesn't do that. That's a marriage that smells. But a marriage that is fresh. You want to see a fresh marriage? And when you have this kind of marriage, you can keep joy in your marriage. Go to Philippians chapter 2. Look at verse 3. Philippians chapter 2. 
Let nothing be done through self, selfish ambition. But in everything, here's the Lord's talking to me in verse 3. Sammy, stop living for yourself and make, live to make Diane happy. That's my job as a husband. It's not to think about what Sammy wants. My job is to make Diane happy. That's what he's saying. That's how you keep your marriage fresh. Is that I don't, I'm not concerned about what I'm not getting out of the marriage. I'm concerned about what I'm putting into the marriage. Does Diane know I love her? Does Diane know that I care for her, that I would die for her? That's how you keep a marriage full of joy. It's not enough to be willing to repair the cracks. Keep the marriage fresh. Don't be selfish. What's destroying a lot of marriages? That there are a lot of self-centered individuals. For a man to go out and have an affair on his wife, he's selfish. For a woman to go out and have an affair on a, on a husband, he, she's selfish. There's no way on earth, as long as I love Diane and think about it, there's no way on earth I would ever think about it, let alone have an affair. And that's why you keep, how you keep joy in a marriage, is that you don't think about yourself. There's no way I could do that because I love her so much. My mind is not on what Sammy wants. My mind is, what do I need to do that Diane So this man loves me? When she looks at me, she just smiles and says, because she knows this man loves me. When I look at her, this woman loves me. That's how you keep a marriage together. What are you doing to, to get that? Number three, avoid what we call erosion factors. Erosion factors are things that slowly eat away at marital satisfaction. It's like cancer. It's not where you don't, you know, it's not where you just tomorrow you fall out of love. It's a process where one day you just wake up and you're no longer in love. You know why? Because you've encountered so many erosion factors. And that way, one day you're just not in love anymore. And love, you have to keep it vibrant. You have to work at it every day. Galatians 5, look at verse 15. In Galatians 5, verse 15, paraphrasing it, Paul says, in life you're going to have disagreements, relationships. Even at the church you're going to have disagreements. You, but don't you devour one another. You may disagree with a brother or sister, but don't you, don't you hurt her? Don't you hurt him? You're going to have disagreements. Right, Diane and I, we have our disagreements. But don't hurt her, Sammy. Don't do something that will destroy her faith, that will destroy her love for you. Let me give you an example of an erosion factor that will eat away at marital sex. Kitchen sink fighting. I don't know if you ever heard of that. That's not where you pull a sink out and hit your husband with it. That's not kitchen sink fighting. It's worse than that. Kitchen sink fighting is when you know what to say to knock his legs away from under him. You know what to say. It's hitting below the belt. It's dirty fighting. It's when you say the most heinous and hateful and harsh thing to him. And you know it's going to make him mad. You know it's going to make her cry. And you say it because you want to hurt her. That's kitchen sink fighting. When spouses use words that are painful. When spouses use words that are belittling. And they're hurtful and they're intentional. That's in a process of time of years and years of hearing that one day the love is gone. Don't do that. That's what Satan wants. That's what Satan wants. God has given us two wings. He's given us tools to keep joy in our marriage. A commitment to repair the cracks. A willingness to be a servant 
rather than self-centered to keep the marriage fresh and then avoid erosion factors. So let me give you another example of erosion factor, garbage dumping. Garbage dumping is when you keep bringing up stuff happened 25 years ago, 40 years ago. You remember it's 1942, it was 3 a.m. in the afternoon and you said this, let it go. Garbage dumping is keep bringing up old wounds, opening it up, bringing up stuff that if you dealt with, that's garbage dumping. Don't do that. Gunny sacking. Gunny sacking is typical many times of females. Instead of dealing with issue, you put it in an imaginary bag. You just keep problems in the bag and one day, you know the story, the bag ruptured and it bursts. These are examples of erosion factors. Things that slowly eats away at marital satisfaction. Avoid them. Stay away from them. This is just ex several examples of many that I could share with you of things spouses need to not do because they eat away at happiness. They eat away at satisfaction that people wake up. Go to Revelation chapter 2 verse 4. In Revelation chapter 2 verse 4. You know what, that, what, Paul, what John rather is saying there? You have left your first love. You know what he's really saying there? Is that this congregation, if you don't do something, one day you're going to wake up and you're not going to be in love with the Lord. They had not left the church yet, but they're on the verge of leaving because their love is declining. You have left. You used to have the love for the Lord that was a nine and a ten, but John is saying it's a six. And what I need you to do is to get your love for the Lord back up to a 9 or 10. Because if it don't, if it continues to decline, one day you're going to quit the church. Same thing happens in marriage. You're so happy and in love. And after these erosion factors, you fall out of love. And that's when affairs occur. That's when people quit the church. Is when you don't love that person anymore. Because you let those erosion factors eat away at it. Number four. And number four is look for signs that something's wrong with your marriage. Go to Matthew chapter 24. Look at verse 3. Some of Jesus' disciples came to him and said, Jesus, tell us. Give us a sign. Give us an indication when the temple is going to be destroyed. You know, the Jesus' disciples wanted signs. And there are some signs, there are some symptoms that your marriage is in trouble. Let me mention to you three symptoms. I wish I had time to mention to you 12. Because if you have eight of these 12 that I can mention to you, if you know your children have eight of these 12, get them some counseling. But let me share with you three symptoms that your marriage is in trouble. And if you don't do something, Satan is going to win. If you don't do something, your joy is gone. And one day you're going to just decide, walk away. How, you know, people you never thought would walk away from their marriage. People that you, you know someone who, who's on the verge of walking away from that marriage. You know why? Because there were signs, there were indicators, and they didn't pay them any attention. I beg you, if you see some signs of things wrong with your marriage, do something about it. Don't let your marriage die. Don't let your marriage die. I made a commitment to Diane when we said, I do, I'm going to stay married to her until the day I die. There's no way I'm going to walk away from this marriage. There's no way. There's nothing she can do that will cause me to walk away from it. I challenge you. 
But there are some signs that tell you when your marriage is in trouble. Here's one. Why do you love him? Why do you love the man? Why do you love her? And you can't put in the words why you love this man. Something's wrong. If you're in love with someone, you ought to be able to put it in words why you love You ought to be able to tell them why you love them. Why? There are people that say they love one another, and then you ask them, why do you love They can't tell you. You ought to think about it. You, ought, you know you love them. You ought to be able to put it in writing. You ought to be able to express it in words. You ought to be able to say it. Why do you love this person? Second, you don't enjoy the person company anymore. When you get off work, you'd rather go play golf for four hours and go be with her. You'd rather go shopping. Vacation, you'd rather take separate vacation. You don't enjoy this person's company anymore. And when you're together, you just look at one another. You don't talk. That's a sign something's wrong with your marriage. The intimacy... It doesn't exist anymore. I'm not talking about just the physical. You don't say you love one another anymore. You don't hug. You don't kiss. You can't remember the last time you wanted to embrace him. You can't remember the last time you wanted to embrace her. These are signs that something's wrong. I plead with you. I beg you. Satan wants your marriage. Satan wants to take the joy out of your marriage. Satan knows that if he can get you unhappy with your marriage, it's just a matter of time. You'll walk away from your marriage, even though you know what the Bible says. That's how people end up walking away. People that you know. How did she, how did he, how did they end up? When your joy is gone, you don't care. When your joy is gone, you don't care. If you don't keep joy in your spiritual life, one day you'll quit the church. Satan knows that. When you are not excited about being a Christian, if you don't do something about it, if you don't examine yourself, you're going to wake up and find out one day you don't want to be in the church anymore. I'm going to close with one verse, Lamentation, chapter 3. Look at verse 40, and the lesson is yours. We looked at Lamentation chapter 1, verse 12. When the city cried out and said, Is it nothing to you, all you that pass by? Is it nothing to you that see the ruins of the city and, and you pass by? But then Jeremiah pleaded with them in verse chapter 3, in verse 40. When he pleased with this, this city, these people, to examine yourselves. Examine yourselves. Look at your life. Come back to God. I'm challenging every husband in this audience to examine yourself. How committed are you to your marriage? How committed are you to your marriage? I know I'm talking to the cream of the crop here in Selma, right? I mean Savannah right now. Talking to the cream of the crop. But you know somebody who is contemplating walking away from the marriage. Go to him and beg him not to. It's not worth it. And joy can be achieved again. I don't care what you're going through. You can have joy in a marriage. I've been in counseling too many, too long to know you can have it, but you've got to die to yourself. There are Christians losing their joy. You can be excited about being a Christian again. I challenge every wife. Examine yourself. What can you do to make your marriage a joy? That when you look at this man, you just 
This man loves me. That's what I want Diane to have. Is to know that I love her. And there's no way I would be unfaithful to her. Because she's dear to me. That's what is needed in our churches. Those are the kind of marriages. But if Satan can take away the joy, he takes away the energy that people want to put into marriage. I don't know what you came to hear today. This is what God put on my heart to share with you. And I want to encourage you as I leave. Make your family the best it can be. Other than your spiritual life, the most important thing to you ought to be your family. Commit yourself to your family. Commit yourself to your marriage. Commit yourself to your children. And may God help us that our children and our families remain faithful to God. In this changing world, in this changing America that we're living in, God's word has not changed. And God needs us. And we needed him. He sent Jesus. Now he's saying, Sam, I need you to stand up for me. I need you, Sammy, to stand in the gap for me. I need somebody in in America that believes in me. I'm not going to let him down. In my marriage. In my family. And I challenge you. Don't let God down. He's calling you. Maybe there's someone here. You need us to pray for you. You're going through some things. Maybe you know somebody who's going through something. Let's get back to the power of prayer. Let's get back to it. I've said longer than I wanted to what I wanted to say. But I just had to plead with you one more time. Strive to be the best man you can be, the best woman you can be, to please God. If you need to come, why don't you come as we together stand and sing the invitation song. You know all our hopes, Lord, you know all our fears, and words cannot express the love we feel, but we long for you to hear. So listen to our hearts, and hear our spirits sing, a song of praise that flows from those you have redeemed. We will use the words we know to tell you what an awesome God you are, but words are not enough to tell you of our love, so listen to our hearts. If words could fall like rain from these lips of mine, and if I had a thousand years, Lord, I would still run out of time. If you listen to my heart, every beat will say, Thank you for the life, thank you for the truth, and thank you for the way. 
So listen to our hearts and hear our spirit sing a song of praise that flows from those you have redeemed. We will use the words we know to tell you what an awesome God you are. But words are not enough to tell you of our love. So listen to our hearts. Dr. Jones, thank you very much uh, for an outstanding job. I, I knew he would do a great job, and, and uh, I thank him for being here. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Steve? <laughs> thank you, Sammy. I've known Dr. Jones for a long time. Four times a year, we put together the Joss Journal, which is about 3,600 pieces of paper. We're going to start tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock and do the fourth one. We do it every quarter. If you can spare a couple hours or an hour or so, you can be in my presence for that amount of time. Come by and help us if you can. God bless you. 10 o'clock in the morning, right here in the office. So if you can help with that, it would be greatly, greatly appreciated. I was thinking uh, about Dr. Jones, and I'll just be brief, but uh, I did have the opportunity to know Miss Rhonda, and she was a wonderful lady. And uh, I was thinking as I got to know Miss Diane a little bit today uh, that, you know, God's a matchmaker, and he brings two wonderful Christian people together that have, had, that have gone through some trials and uh, understand those things, and, and they are doing a wonderful job together. So Miss Diane, Sister Diane, we're so thankful that you're here. Here, uh, with us today. I want to remind our young people uh, about the uh, area wide at uh, Saltillo uh, today, this afternoon. Uh, so, you want to be here. I think uh, the bus is leaving at 5.15, so make sure about that. Make sure if you don't have a copy of the bulletin that you'll pick that up. A lot of things going on. Don't forget about the things Wednesday night, prayers uh, out here at 7 a.m. Thursday and Friday. Again, thank you so much for being here today. Before we dismiss this afternoon, we do want to make sure to extend, if you weren't able to be here with us this morning, the opportunity to take the Lord's Supper. That is in the classroom A2 over to the left side of our building. For anyone who was not here for the earlier part of our worship and need to take the Lord's Supper, you can exit at this time as we dismiss uh, with thank you, Lord, and our dismissal prayer. Let's sing together, and then we'll be led in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for loving me, and thank you, Lord, for blessing me. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole and saving my soul. I want to thank you, Lord, for loving me. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Please reveal your will for me so I can serve you for eternity. Use my life in every way. Take hold of it today. I want to thank you, Lord, for loving me. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us and thank you for allowing us this opportunity to be here this morning. 
thank you for the opportunity that we've had to hear 